All right. Well, I do have a word. I want to preach. Um, I have a word, and, and uh, it's not a talk. It's actually, I just pray for a word from God. How about that? Um, first, I just want to start out. I want to talk about uh, relentless faith today. You know, sometimes, you know, we think like there's a certain type and breed of person who's got that relentless faith. Oh, that's one of those. But relentless faith for all of us. It's not just for a certain type. It's not just for a certain personality. But all of us, relentless faith for everyone, and it comes out different in everyone, but it's something on the inside that manifests outside. I want you to think about this. Um, there was a man who was characterized, his whole life was characterized by failure to a point. At age 22, his business failed. At 23, he ran for legislature and was defeated. At 24, he started a business um, that failed. At 25, Things started to turn around. He was elected. By 26, the love of his life died. At 27, he had a nervous breakdown. At 29, he was defeated as he ran for office. At 31, he was defeated again. And then, um, and then at 34, he was defeated again as he ran. But he managed to win in 37. At 37 years old, he was defeated as he was reelected. At 39, he was defeated at his run for Senate at 46. He was defeated at his run for Vice President at 47. He was defeated for his run for Senate at 49. Is anyone catching a theme here? Like, like have you ever felt defeated? I'm not even at the right church here. You Come on now. Every, the next service, they know me better. Hello, come on. I'm not going to bite. You got to work with me here. Does anybody know what it feels like to be de defeated? How about all the disses, to be dis disheartened, dis defeated? All I mean, come on now. We've had a few years. A lot of people have had a lot, of, lot, a lot of challenges. But age, at age 51, he was reelected, or he was elected president of the United States. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. But the man had relentless faith to stay in there through all those defeats. He didn't give up. And that's important because there's power of relentless faith. And he understood it, he discovered it, and he, and he pressed until he saw that success. And of course, the, the, our nation's never been the same. There's so much that we can attribute to his relentless faith. And I just wonder how many of us are experiencing the benefits of someone else's relentless faith. And how many people are waiting on, for the other side of your relentless faith. How many miracles on the other side of your relentless faith? How many's whole heritage and their families are going to change as a result of your relentless faith? How many, how many people's lives will change because you just dare to cross the chicken line and step out in boldness one time and just say the name of Jesus and tell somebody about your God? I'm telling you, there's something about relentless faith. I want to take our text out of Acts 16, verse 16. Now, when it happened, they went to prayer. I want to take this out of, with Paul, I think, besides Jesus. He's one of my greatest heroes and probably the greatest example of relentless faith. Acts 16, 16, it happened that they went to prayer. A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Verse 17, Acts 16, 17, the girl followed Paul and us and, he cried, and she cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God. How many know you can say something in word, but the spirit's off? When you communicate, I'm communicating by word, gesture, and spirit. One of our mentors taught, Pastor Mike and I, you, you communicate by word, gesture, and spirit. It's not just what I say. It's also the spirit that I carry. It's, also, it's all of it. And, the, and Paul's like, the words you're saying are right, but something is wrong here. And then he just, in verse 18, he says, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her, and came out of her that very hour. So she got delivered, but her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, 
And so they seized Paul and Silas. Luke's writing this. So what happened to Luke? Luke slipped out. Luke, Luke, Luke. I was raised in Oceanside and we knew how to run. Anyway, moving right along. We, I wasn't always saved. Luke slipped out, but Paul and Silas got busted. They're in prison. They brought them to the magistrates. They said, these men being Jews were exceedingly troubled our city. Verse 21, they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive. Verse 22, it's a bunch of false charges, basically. And the multitude rose up together against them, and they tore off their clothes and beat them with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, these guys must be notorious people, right? Yeah, right. And they put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet with stocks. But at midnight, say, but at midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, you got to pay attention to that part because you got to see the scene. So they're in there, but as they know that they got beat, and now all of a sudden they're, 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 they're praying and they're singing, and all the prisoners are listening to what's happening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. I think verse 26 is prophetic to the church. I don't think this is just a sermon. I think this is a picture of the church. I think this is a picture of the church across the nations. And, and, and I think that it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. I believe there's a shaking like Haggai says, that God will shake the nations, that, that, that he will shake all the nations. And anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And why are we surprised, like Peter said, why are we surprised at this fire ordeal that's happening as if some strange thing were happening? God prophesied it, that he's going to shake the nations. And something happened here, and suddenly the earthquake, there was an earthquake that was shaken, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. I think there's foundations being shaken. And immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. We'll come back to that. I like Mac Matthew Henry said, the goodwill and love of God is sufficient to secure us from all the ill will of all who hate us. You could amen right there, that's legal. I'll say it again. The, good, the goodwill of love and love of God is sufficient to secure us from the ill will of all who hate us. Can you ever just, can't you just feel hate? It's a horrible thing. I minister in Africa every year, and I remember walking in South Africa and feeling the tension so tense. Hate is, it's a, there's like a substance so thick in the room. And I'm like, wow. I mean, it was crazy. You can feel it. But the power of God is stronger. The power of God is more powerful. Paul cast the devil out of that lady. Relentless faith. God backed his play. And I tell you, Christians young and old right now, the, the, the world is looking for role models of relentless faith. They're looking for people who will stand up and stand out. They're looking for people who are different. You know, I, I love this story about this lady. And this lady was just riddled with pain and arthritis. And it was painful just to get through the doors of church, but she was there every service. And her friend said, how do you make it to every service? You know, you're, you're, in, you're in so much pain just to get here. And she just said, honey, she said, my heart gets there first, and these old legs somehow seem to follow. Can I just tell you, relentless faith is in here. Relent, relentless faith is here in your heart. It starts inside. And, and, and that's what we have to do is we have to fire up what's inside. And Paul was one of the greatest examples. He was no stranger to challenge. Second Corinthians 11 says that 
What time am I supposed to be done here? Oh, okay. I'm like, good Lord, look at the time. Okay, I'm good. Um, I'm sorry. And, they, and, and this is Paul. He wants to tell you a little bit about some of the troubles he went through. So next time you have that little, you ever see that where you have a little angel and a devil? You know, you ever hear that little violin playing, you know, and you got the woe is me thing going. Anybody ever do that? No, I'm the only one who ever like, you know, has, feels like there's woes hanging on your shoulders. Come on now. Half the people are honest. The other ones, we're going we're gonna to help you. And he said, they're all ministers. I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths more often. I mean, he was killed. They raised him from the dead. From the Jews, five times I received 49 stripes minus one. I mean, 40 stripes minus one. 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils in the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils amongst false brethren. Good Lord, somebody. Have you gone through more than this? In weakness and toil and sleeplessness often in hunger and in thirst and fasting often in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. The burden that he carried. To see souls saved. To see the souls that had been saved, that the churches would make it. See, what happened is Paul would come in and preach, and these people would come in right after him and say, he's not really apostle, we're super apostles, and they'd tear down everything that he said. And there's nothing worse than to know that you're building people up and someone's coming behind you just tearing down the work that you just did. And everything you poured out for your life. That was, I think, was his thorn more than any other physical thing. But I got to tell you that, you know, the amount of troubles you face don't disqualify you. Okay, I'm going to preach to this side. The amount of faith is, is so powerful, and the amount of troubles you go through do not disqualify you. Come on. I'm going to give this side one more chance. The amount of troubles that you go through do not disqualify you. Sometimes we go through it and we think, I'm just messed up. I'm just messed up. Well, then Paul was the most messed up person on the planet. But I think not. Paul was the most anointed person besides Jesus that I can read in that Bible. Paul's one of my heroes, and he went through it. And he went through it over and over and over. Are you with me? So it's not, it's, you got to have relentless faith. It's not really like the amount of trials and troubles you go through. It's how you handle them that makes the difference. So number one is to be relentless, we have to be forgetful. Now, nobody will tell you that. Everybody's like, oh, don't be forgetful. We're trying not to be forgetful. No, we need to be forgetful. Not forgetting the things of God, but forgetting the pain that we went through. Come on, somebody. We have to forget the pain. Say, forget the pain. All the pain we face on this earth, we have to forget it and forget it fast. Think about this. Verse 24, Acts 16, 24, having received such a charge, they put him in the inner prison, fastened their feet to the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, say praying, praying. and singing. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they were praying, then they were praising. They went from beating, being beaten, and from getting a licking, and then they're praising God. How do you go from getting beaten severely to praising God? You have to be forgetful. 
Come on, moms. You have a baby. Do you sit there and just go, here's my baby, but oh, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. And guys, don't even act like you know how they felt because you don't. But you forget the pain of childbirth when you see the baby, right? Come on, guys. How about the football field? They, don't, they forget the pain of the last game to move into training for the next one and setting their sights on the mark of where they're going. Come on. They're not in there going, oh, man, look at my bruise. Look at my bruise. Look at my bruise. Look at mine. Let's have a contest. Who has the biggest bruises? Huh, Josh? Did that ever happen when you played? Heck no. They're banging helmets together. We're going to do it. We're going to tear them up. And they're training for the next game. Are you with me? You got to learn to forget the pain fast. Are you with me? How did Cal Ripken start more than any other starter starting games? They asked him. He said, you need to learn how to play injured. You forget the pain and you move on. You had to forget the pain and move on. I'm not going to stop till someone amens me. You got to forget the pain and move on. We have to forget. Paul said it in, in um, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Paul said, brethren, I don't count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do. Say one thing I do. Forget the things which are behind and reach towards things which are ahead. And he said, I press towards the goal, the upward prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. If any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. See, you, you have to forget the past and couple it with a determination to move forward. You want to have relentless faith, then you have to have, learn how to do this. You have to forget fast and, not, and be relentless about pressing forward. I imagine Paul was in there, and Paul and Silas are all locked up and tied up. They've been beaten, and Silas is probably like, I ain't never going on another missionary journey with you. You got me whooped. You almost got me killed. I want to see my family. And Paul's like, we're going to make it through this, and we're going to do great things, and they can't kill us. And even if they do, we live forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We live for eternity. We serve the eternal one. We serve the one who walked on water. We serve the one who raised, got raised from the dead. We serve the one, the mighty, the almighty, the everlasting. We serve. Silas is like, you know, yeah, yeah. And before long, they're praying together. They're agreeing. And then what happens when two people are agreed together? What happens? When two people are agreed together, what happens? There he is in their midst. See, was they weren't just listening to their praise. They were listening to anointed praise. A little girl on the piano said, you know, anyone can play, but to play anointed, that's, that's, that's important. You got to play with the anointing. And they were praying until they prayed with the anointing. So we go through it and we think, oh, failure, man, I've been through so many failures. You don't even want to know. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. We don't need to rehearse our troubles. We need to forget our troubles. We need to talk about vision. So failure doesn't disqualify us. Like I said, uh, one of our mentors said, champions are those who never fail. They're not those who never fail. They're those who never quit. It's not about failing. You can fail. It's about not quitting. Come on, Michael Jordan at 15 years old, he tried out for the varsity basketball. What do you think happened? He got cut. He got cut. Michael Jordan got cut. Can you imagine that coach later? He's like, Michael Jordan. How did I cut Michael Jordan? I'm a fool. Michael got cut. What happened? He practiced relentlessly. Then he made the roster. After that, NBA history. 
Why? Relentless training pays off. D.L. Moody said, I prayed for faith and thought somehow faith would just come down and just, you know, just come down and strike me and suddenly I would have faith. And then he said, but faith didn't seem to come. And one day I read the 10th chapter of Romans and he said, then I learned faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now I open my Bible and faith's been growing ever since. You want to grow, you got you to spend time in the Word. If you want to train, you got to spend time on the track. you got to spend time on the field. You got, if you're a ballerina, you need to get up on your toes. You need to get up in your stuff. Come on. you got to read that Bible. You can't just like somehow faith's just going to osmosis into my body because I want it. Faith comes by, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when you don't have a Bible to read and you're driving your car and you can't like read the Bible and you don't have something you can play the Bible, speak the Bible. Yeah. Preach to yourself. Speak the Word. Speak the word to yourself and watch, because even when you speak it, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. When you speak the word, you're hearing the word. You'll get pumped up. I'm glad Jill appreciates it. I'm going to preach to Jill. (laughs) I hope you're getting something from this. You know, Proverbs 24, 16 says, For the righteous man falls seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You know, When the righteous fall, they get up. The relentless get up. The relentless keep going. The relentless, they rise again. Fear says give up, and faith says get up. Say, that's insensitive of you, pastor. That's insensitive. You don't know what I went through. Man, I've seen people that have been through it, and I'm going to tell them the same thing for somebody who hasn't gone through very much. Get up. I'll say it in love. I'll say it with you. I'll help you. I'll come alongside you. Uh, But we have to get up. We have to keep moving. We can't get stuck. You know, he'll take us through the valley of shadow death, but we can't camp out there. We got to move past there. So give up or get up, we choose. Paul didn't have quit in his vocabulary. He didn't know. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I, I've, I've completed. Why? Because he had relentless faith. And your relentless faith will be tested. As we just read, relentless faith will be tested. Paul was greatly annoyed. As soon as he cast the devil out of that lady, they, they challenge him. They throw him in prison. And it's like he had relentless faith. He cast the devil out of some girl and, and changes that. They're prophet of those people in that region. But then they throw him in prison. And, and like, you know, so he had a choice. He had a choice right then. What was he going to do? Was he going to give up or get up? Hello, somebody. Come on. Do you guys know a guy named Henry Ford? Henry Ford tasked his people with creating a V8, right? Visionary. I want you guys, you're my, you're my engineers right here. I want you to, to, to design a V8. They said, can't be done. He said, work on it, do it, handle it. Six months later, he came back and said, okay, guys, what, what's up? They said, not done, can't be done, you don't understand engineering, you can't, you can't make a V8. So he said, continue, throw everything in it, do it anyway. A year went by, comes back, hey guys, a year later, what's up? Said, it can't be done. You're asking us to do it? He said, do it anyway, keep going. Well, guess what ended up happening? I drive a V8. I'm pretty happy, I like all that V8. Hello, somebody. He had the vision. Somebody put wheels to it, but they were relentless. They didn't quit. Even after a year, they didn't quit. They kept going and going and going and going. Are you with me? So sometimes a vision, it comes, but it comes on the other end of somebody's relentless faith. Hello? Whether you're the one doing it or you're the one funding it, 
Ford was like, I've done it enough. Now I'm just going to fund it. I lead missions teams. People are like, I wish I could go with you. I'm like, you can go. You know how you can go? Fund it. Well, I can't get out there with Road to Hope. Fund Road to Hope. Hello? Well, I want to make a difference. Fund one of these young ones. There's no lack. Well, I'm too busy because I'm working my business. What's your business for? Fund somebody. Fund the gospel. Fund the kingdom. Hello, somebody. Henry just funded it. And look what happened. So relentless faith, it fuels our tolerance for pain. They laid many stripes on them, threw them in prison. They laid many stripes, but yet they just kept going. And if you don't have faith and you get pain, you're just in trouble. But relentless faith, it fuels our tolerance for pain. We can have more tolerance. Can I tell you, ladies have more tolerance for pain than men. Let me say most ladies have more tolerance for pain than men. Huh? The guys are looking at me right now, not too happy. You try pushing a baby outside. I mean, they got some tolerance for pain. And they tolerate pain better than men do. Okay, I got to move on because I'm just causing enemies. But relentless faith, it, it does something to build our tolerance. And you need to build your tolerance. You see, if we constantly, when you go through something, you're building your tolerance. David built his tolerance. David would have never taken out a giant if he didn't first take out the lion, take out the bear. And he had faith in gradual steps. We need to build our tolerance, build our faith tolerance. If we shelter ourselves and shelter our little ones from all kinds of exposure to failure and pain, you are not helping them for their future. Relentless faith finds joy in the midst of pain. At midnight, they're praying and singing. See, relentless faith rejoices in the gains of heaven, not in the pains of earth. And you can do either one. It, it rejoices in the gains of heaven. And lastly, relentless faith releases favor. Can I get the worship team up here? Relentless faith releases favor. Suddenly there's a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. We're supposed to shake this world. We're not supposed to just get by, make it to Friday, just trying to make everything peaceful and not have anything. You know, as we get older, we don't like change. Right now we just bought a, we just bought a strip mall, right? We've been in the same place. I got a bunch of people freaking out because we bought a 50,000 square foot strip mall with tenants. I need millions of dollars to build this thing out and everybody's freaking out. You know why? Because faith takes risk. The young people love it. Yeah, let's charge hell with squirt gun, pass them out. We're all ready to charge. But as we get older, we start getting a little bit more reluctant. We need to identify that. Are you with me? And you don't need to be sheltering, sheltering, sheltering your children. You can't play football. You might get hurt. They might be a champion and learn how to, to conquer whatever the life's lesson is in the future. We, 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 we need to release relentless faith on our little ones. And this relentless faith, it releases something in heaven. It releases favor. It says suddenly that the doors were loosed. Who, now think about this. All the doors in the prison, was they were loosed. The chains were released. But it was two people's faith that was in that prison that released all those other people. I watched my wife preach to an entire village out in the Kalahari Desert, and I think everybody, I didn't see one person who didn't want to get saved and got saved. The guy was just crying and freaking out. He planted a church there. It was awesome. But we were sleeping in the Kalahari Desert, freezing our potatoes off at night, and sand, the guys who didn't have the right tents were all covered with sand in the morning. It was crazy, but it was awesome. Hello, are you here? 
a little bit of pain in the night, but like, you know, joy came the, the next day. Hello, somebody. You know, we've got to step out. We need to be those who are stepping out so that somebody is free. And there's usually something on the other end of that where somebody so that they'll be free. So this is what I think is just a beautiful picture of God. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. The um, God is so good. Uh, he's so good. Now, I want you to think about this. What are prisoners usually doing in the prison? They're in there. Cells are locked. Probably sleeping at midnight. Hello, somebody. What are you going to do? They didn't have television, didn't have cell phones. They're in prison. They probably would have been sleeping, but all of a sudden they're hearing these prayers go up. They're hearing these, these, these crazy kind of new sound called faith in a place that's void of faith. They're bound in chains and bound in a prison, but they hear some people praying. Now I just want to ask you something. There was a mix that happened in that room right there. They're in that place and they started praying. I just got to tell you, say pain. pain. Now just think about this. Pain plus prayer. Say pain plus prayer. Pain plus prayer. Resulted in praise. And the praise resulted in the miraculous. But I want to challenge you with something. And that is, what, how do you handle pain? When you have pain, do you complain? Because when we get pain, we can just go around complaining. Complain about this, complain about that, complain. I'm not just talking about pain in your body. I'm talking about the pains of life. I'm talking about financial pain, relational pain. I'm talking about challenge. But when you have pain, when you have, when you have somebody who's lost in your family and you want to see them saved, when you see somebody who's given their life into things they shouldn't. My mom had pains when she watched me hooked on drugs, when I was stealing and, and thieving and doing horrible things as a young kid, you know, getting arrested and doing all the fun stuff that... that kid thinks is fun and your parents are like oh she had pains because of this one but how do you deal with your pain how do you deal with your pain these guys are busted they're in jail what do they do you can just complain and you can just sit there in your prison and complain and complain and complain or you can pray so when we have pain we can't just complain when we have pain we need to pray and what do we need to do we need to forget quickly we need to move quickly and the minute that mom sees that baby, it's like the pain is washed away. Well, I don't know because I never felt that, but I'm just saying that's what I've heard. <laughs> Are you with me? Why? Because now they have vision. They have new birth. See, we got to get past the pain and start focusing on the new birth. We got to get people saved, folks. There's a world waiting to be saved. I, and I'm not being insensitive to say get past your pain. I'm saying let's get past our pain because people need to be saved. Let's focus on the new birth. So one, we need to get past our pain and not complain. We need to get past our pain and pray. And then we need to mix that prayer, that pain and prayer mixed together will result in something. And like I said, Jesus came in their midst. When you have anointed presence of God, I want to ask you, what does the anointing do? What does the anointing do? Jesus came, the anointed one. And Jesus said that that, that anointing, when the anointing breaks the yoke, it breaks the chains, it breaks the strongholds. The anointing will break the chains. Would you say that with me? The anointing will break the chains. Would you stand with me right now? I want to ask you right now, what kind of pain do you need to forget? I want to ask you right now, what kind of pain do you need to leave behind you? I want to ask you, if you've been complaining, I'd guarantee your spouse will tell me what you've been complaining about. If you don't know what you're complaining about, ask your spouse what you need to leave behind. 
but what do you need to leave behind? I want you to just put your hands out like if you were shackled. And I want you just to like let go of whatever that pain is and say, Jesus, I just give you my pain right now. Come on, I want you to open your mouth and pray right now. Would you open your mouth like they did and pray? Because just thinking about it didn't solve it. They prayed. So I want you to ask him to say, Jesus, right now, take my pain. I release it to you. Some of you, it's a financial pain. Some of you, it's relational. Some of you, it is a sin pain. Some of it's disappointment. Some of you feel like you failed God, but let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And I want you to release that pain. And as you release that pain and say, Jesus, take it. I want you to catch this, that he not only came in that prison, he came in that prison with his presence. And he not only went into that prison, but when he went into that prison, those chains came off. I'm just, there's chains that are going to start falling off right now. I want you just to let them fall off. You say, well, you don't understand. Man, I've been bound to this thing. I've been bound addicted to this thing. I've been bound to this thing. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I just haven't been able to. Jesus will break those chains. There's people that have been in there for life probably, and they're saying, man, I've been in here a long time. But Jesus broke the chains. And I'll tell you right now, it wasn't just an earthquake that opened those doors. Because an earthquake may push, push open a door, but an earthquake's not going to break the chains. And I got to tell you right now, right now, I got to tell you right now that God will break the chains, but he also opens the door. God will break the chains, but he also opens the door. When you're born again, God will break the chains, but will you step through the door? They came in that prison and they said, the prisoner, that prison, whatever, the head of that prison came in and he freaked out, was going to kill himself. Paul said, no, we're all still here. I think that's a picture of the church church got the chains broke by Jesus church is freed up but the church is still inside we need to get outside and get people saved we need to give our testimony and talk about what God did Ephesians 2 10 talks about it he tells us he's prepared a good work that we walk into so I want you right now just to let those chains fall let those chains come off of you but understand that God only frees the chains the Bible in, in Proverbs it tells us that we're held by the cords of our sin that yes sin is a chain but there's other things that chain us. We're also bound to unforgiveness. If we don't forgive someone, we're bound to that unforgiveness. And a lot of times those sins will follow us. I want you to let go of those things. And as you do, then I want you to purpose and say, but I will walk through the door that God opens for me. I will walk through the door God opens for me. You say, well, I don't know what the open door is. Come serve God until he opens the door. That's what I did. I didn't go to school to be a pastor. I went to church to be a good Christian. I served everywhere and anywhere I could. I served setting up chairs. I served doing whatever. I did whatever he, that my pastor asked me to, and that's how I got to do what I'm doing because I just said, when the doors are open, I'm going to be there. And I just believe God's going to do miracles. Would you just let that anointing break the yoke right now? I think God's already done it. I'm done preaching, but I just want that word to sink in your hearts. Come on, would you just continue to talk to God for a minute? Come on, worship team, bring it.